Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do, not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. So as we get ready, as we transition into the Christmas week, since I know some of you might be traveling and we may not see your amazing, beautiful faces next week, let me be one of the first to wish you Merry Christmas. I hope you have a rich time celebrating with family and friends. So in light of next Sunday being Christmas, that means this is the final Sunday that we are observing Advent, that season in the church calendar when we reflect on the first coming of Christ and look forward and anticipate and expect his return. That means this is the final sermon that we're going to reflect on this theme of waiting. If you've been with us in prior weeks, you know we've talked about what it means to be a people who wait in general, and we've applied what it means to wait to specific themes or topics, particularly waiting for sin to end and waiting for evil to end. This week, we're reflecting on sickness, the the suffering our bodies experience before Christ returns, leading us to long for healing. So the title of this sermon will be Waiting for Healing. Now this topic of sickness, like the topics of indwelling sin and the existence of evil in the world, it can be particularly disorienting and confusing and perplexing. Some of you, you understand this firsthand. You're familiar with how fragile and frail your body is. How something that is reliable, that many do not give a second thought to, you encounter something every day that is very unreliable. And as Westerners, we are taught healing should come from natural means in the form of medicine and medical providers. And as Christians, we are taught to believe healing comes from supernatural means. God hearing our prayers. And yet for many of us, healing doesn't happen. It causes us grief, leads to despair. We often surrender in doubt. Now to be honest, I have not experienced much physical decline firsthand, but I vividly remember. I can't get it out of my head. The sights and sounds of walking into an emergency room after my father was in a rollover car accident, crushing one of his vertebrae. 
I remember the sound of the ventilator. I remember phone calls in the middle of the night when his heart stopped beating. I remember the wheelchair and the bed his body was confined to. I remember the wound he developed that never healed because he was stuck in one position far too long. I remember when they said his kidneys stopped functioning and they had to put him on dialysis. Dealing with physical suffering, chronic conditions, defects, and diseases from birth, it can be challenging, disorienting, difficult to bear, even when you don't experience it firsthand. In his book, A Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis writes about what he experienced when his beloved wife suffered from cancer, capturing quite remarkably what many of us experience, the feelings we experience. No one ever told me that grief so felt like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach. The same restlessness. The yawning. I keep on swallowing. At other times, it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is a sort of invisible blanket between me, between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It is so uninteresting, yet I want others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty, if only they would talk to another and not to me. Sometimes, oftentimes, it experiences with physical suffering, whether firsthand or secondhand, they can feel like this. The Apostle Paul speaks to this reality in the scripture read earlier. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. If you have a Bible or Bible app, open it up there. As we explore that passage, what we're going to see is that the Apostle Paul in no way, shape, or form denies that physical suffering is hard. In what he calls this present age, a time before Christ returns. He says our bodies experience a sort of futility, but sometime in the future, in Christ, when Christ returns, those bodies will be freed and redeemed and glorified. So our big idea this morning is freed from futility to a future home of healing and wholeness. This big idea in this passage, it's going to lead us to consider the situation that we're currently in, the futility and the frailty and the groaning that we experience as we wait for healing, and it will help us better understand the future healing and wholeness that we are waiting for. So let's begin with futility. Paul uses a number of words or phrases in this passage that many would identify with who have experienced disease or disorders or defects at birth. Even some of the deficits with what, we might, with what might be called normal aging. We're going to work through those one by one. I think it's helpful to understand how real Scripture describes our life experience. So verse 18, sufferings of this present time. Now we should clarify, sufferings of this present time 
are certainly not limited to our physical condition. The, the Apostle Paul has in mind other suffering, relational suffering, persecution, but it certainly includes physical suffering. It makes sense if you think about what we experience with bodily aches and pains, our bodies not working like they should, watching our bodies experience a cold or the flu or something far worse. The word suffering very much connects to or captures what we encounter. Verse 20, it uses the word futility. That refers to frailty, to a a lack of vigor. It's kind of like your legs don't function like they used to. You can't do all that you once could. I mean, maybe you could, maybe you could dunk a basketball when you were younger like Thomas McCauley or Dane Cudd, but today, like them, in your futility, you can't. There is a failing of your body that you are experiencing. Verse 21, bondage to decay. That word connects to the concept of wasting away. Something is perishing. Maybe think of a trash dump. It no longer has a fruitful earthly purpose. It is decomposing and disintegrating. So I think many of you know that I work a few hours a week in the healthcare setting as a physical therapist. For those less familiar with me, many years ago I graduated from the University of Nebraska Medical Center with a degree in physical therapy. Hours I work today are usually spent at a local nursing home. As I encounter the individuals we care for, many will talk about how they struggle with life on earth. They feel like they are wasting away. They they feel like they do not serve a purpose. They feel like they are simply wanting to die. Now, Now the Bible certainly provides some perspective of purpose for them about these later years. Opportunity to pray for others. Opportunity to continue to grow as a disciple. Opportunity to grow more into the image of Christ. But it does not deny the pain and sense of purposelessness they're describing. Bodily suffering, aging, it feels like decay. Verse 22, groaning with labor pains. Paul compares what we experience in our futility to a a groaning or grieving or sighing with labor pains. If you have ever witnessed a woman in labor, if you have been a woman in labor, I have not been. You know labor pains are agonizing. They are typically the most difficult pain an individual will ever experience. In my life as a physical therapist, as we sought to manage the pain someone was experiencing as they recovered from surgery or healed from a sprain or a strain, we used something called the numeric pain rating scale. Many of you are probably familiar with it. It's the numbers zero to 10, zero being no pain and 10 being the worst imaginable pain. You are asked to rate your pain. I cannot tell you how many times when I asked this to a woman who had given birth, they would say, well, if labor is a 10, then I'm at about a six. They would never say 10. The men were much different. (laughs) 
Many of you know as you consider the torment and torture that your body experiences, you get the language Paul is using here. Your body doesn't work like it should. You experience a lack of wholeness in struggles with infertility. When it is more difficult to run or to walk or even when you go to get up from a chair, some of you struggle to mentally focus because of a, a disorder of the brain. Some struggle to connect with a spouse because of a decreased sex drive. Some were born with a cleft palate or cerebral palsy or recently diagnosed with lung cancer. Even suffering through a simple cold sometimes, it feels like you are frail. You get the sense you are wasting away. The Bible is saying when you feel that, when you get that sense, it is not because you have a lack of faith. It is not because you are having a pity party. It is simply part of being human. Engaging the scriptures, it frees us to describe everyday aging and not so everyday aging. Honestly, not dishonestly, we do not deny that changes associated with aging or the breaking down of our bodies. We long for something different. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 2 says it this way. Indeed, we groan in this tent to put on our heavenly dwelling. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed so that mortality will be swallowed up by life. We want new bodies. We want healing and wholeness. The, the bodies we experience this side of Christ's return, they are far from perfect. We long for something different to the point that we groan we sigh, we grieve, and that grieving and groaning, it does not mean you lack maturity. It does not mean that you are doing something wrong. It is simply a real part of being human. There is this teaching that is prevalent in the church. Some refer to it as the prosperity gospel that Christians should be immune to sickness or Christians should expect to be healed when they encounter sickness or disease or chronic pain or cancer. This can be compounded when you know people or stories of people who experienced miraculous healing. Those who don't heal may feel less than or subpar. They, they do not experience ordinary healing or extraordinary healing. So while some will tell you that Christians, because of their faith in Christ, because of how they pray, they should experience healing and wholeness, Paul seems to disagree. Here's verse 23. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Paul's talking about Christians here. Let me give you some stats. From the time of the beginning of our gathering to the end of our gathering, give or take 90 minutes, depending on the length of the sermon or how much Eric has to say, 
within the typical time frame of a service, 135 people will experience a stroke. Same number for a heart attack. On average, 180 people will be diagnosed with cancer. Beyond that, the, the numbers tell us one in five adults live with some sort of mental illness, which would be 60 people in this room. 25% of adults experience chronic pain. 75 people in this room. Are Christians immune from those conditions because we pray? Because God heals us. Among those numbers are countless Christians. Christians will suffer heart attacks. Christians will be diagnosed with cancer. Christians will be diagnosed with ADHD. Christians will get the cold and they will get the stomach flu. Paul is affirming in this verse, in verse 23, this groaning, this longing for something different, it is not simply something common to creation, those made in his image. Those made in his image. It is a common experience for the Christian because we have received the Holy Spirit because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We groan and we grieve in a different way. We know that our bodies are destined to experience something dramatic. Our bodies will be redeemed and renewed. And so as our bodies experience disorder and decay, as we decline the futility common to creation, we too, and maybe we especially, because of the presence of the Spirit, groan and long for something different. So when you get the sense that you are wasting away as a Christian, when you grieve your declining health, it is not because you have a lack of faith. I'm not excusing complaining and grumbling, feeling entitled to, to good health, which I do think some of us do. Something Chris said a, a couple of weeks ago, acknowledging our pain does not mean wallowing in our pain. But, but we know we are not defined by sickness and physical suffering. Longing for health and wholeness, grieving sickness and syndromes, it is part of what a human being with the presence of the Holy Spirit will naturally or supernaturally experience. This is our condition as we wait. But Paul makes clear what we wait for is not simply the end of futility. We are not annihilationists. The end goal of a, of a, is not a human material body resting in peace. It is something that is far more remarkable. So let's talk about what the Apostle Paul teaches that we are waiting for, a future home of healing and wholeness. So if Paul provided this very real language describing our futility, the language used to describe our future, it is intended to draw us into degrees of transcendence. We're meant to recognize that what we will experience is exceptional. It's intended to captivate our imaginations. In verse 18, he says, the glory that is to be revealed in us. Those who are in Christ, they will experience a beauty and a greatness beyond belief. God's purpose in creation is to fill the universe with his glory. And we, in Christ, are set free to experience more of that. 
Verse 19, God's sons to be revealed. Paul is saying the children of God will be revealed with a glory of their own. Paul is saying more than healing, more than freedom from physical suffering, followers of Christ will experience greatness and glory. Verse 21, set free into the glorious freedom of God's children. Our bodies are not destined to be destroyed. They are destined to be freed and liberated. Verse 23, redemption of our bodies. Our broken bodies will be made new. They will be greater. They will be our bodies, but they will be different and far more wonderful. Now, Paul is not the only biblical writer to captivate our imaginations, to capture this exceptional future, to help us understand what this future home of healing and wholeness will look like. The Apostle John does so in the book of Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people's and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. This is the future we are waiting for. Can you picture it? A life where there is no more mental anguish. No more struggle with PTSD or depression or anxiety. A life where there is no more pain in your knee or pain in your hand or pain in your heart. A life where you do not limp or do not become short of breath. A life where no one looks down on you because of the way you speak or because of the way you look. This is the life promised to those who are in Christ. This is the future home of healing and wholeness we have been freed for. It's difficult to imagine. Here's Pastor John Piper doing his best. And everywhere I turned, I saw a wonder there. A big man running on the lawn. That's old John Young with both legs on. The blind can see a bird on wing. The dumb can lift their voice and sing. The diabetic eats at will, the coronary runs uphill. The lame can walk, the deaf can hear, the cancer-ridden bone is clear. Arthritic joints are lithe and free, and every pain has ceased to be, and every sorrow deep within, and every trace of lingering sin is gone. And all that's left is joy, and endless ages to employ the mind and heart and understand and love the sovereign Lord who planned that it should eternity to lavish all his grace on me. There is a day in the future there will be no more futility. You and I will no longer sin, no more evil, no one to cause hurt and harm, no more pain or death or crying, the curse of sin, it will be no more. There will be no more disease, no more disability, no more defects. This is the future home of healing and wholeness that we are waiting for. Now that we have established the futility that we live in in this present age and the future home that we will one day experience, I wanna spend some time 
considering what it means for us to live in the middle of that, to to be a, a people who wait. So a question for you, as you wait for healing, why do we get sick? What is the point of cancer or chronic fatigue syndrome? Why do we deal with bodies breaking down? Some want to attribute what we experience to Satan. Others to natural causes. This is simply what it means, what happens to us over time as we age. This is an important question. What is the source of our pain? So I I recall a client I met at the physical therapy clinic. Uh, She was a woman in her 90s. She began experiencing pain in her right hip, and so it was making it harder to walk. She went to a a doctor, told him about her pain, and the doctor examined her and said, well, you are 92. The doctor was saying, of course you should expect to experience pain at the age of 92. It's a natural byproduct of living so many years. She She was witty, and she was unsatisfied, So she said, my left hip is 92 and it doesn't hurt. Why should I expect my right hip that is 92 to hurt? The woman, she understood that just because her body aged, it didn't mean she should experience pain and dysfunction. Something else was the source. There was something deeper that it pointed to. For Paul, a man familiar with the scriptures, Bodies breaking down. It made perfect sense. The the futility we experience, it is not random. There is no such thing as natural causes. There is purpose. It is planned. It points to something. Romans 8, 20 and 21 says this, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. That the futility we experience, the suffering of our bodies, it is not an accident. It is not because the universe we live in is out of control. It is not even caused by Satan. The futility we experience is a direct result of our sin and the source of futility is God himself. Now, it's important to clarify. The reason you experience a particular disease or disorder is not necessarily because of a particular personal sin. Although we we need to consider such possibilities, the, the Bible talks about situations where sickness and disease is the result of specific sin. I mean, if you don't exercise and you eat a diet high in sugar, you're you're probably likely to develop diabetes. That's something that is a natural connected consequence. But disease and disability, defects at birth, this is not often the case. Usually it's the end result of living in a world affected by sin. When sin entered the world, God subjected his creation to futility. While we were made for something better, something different, God cursed us to experience something less than, where our hearts would be angry or grieve at disability and disease, where we would long for something different, something better, in hope that we would be set free from the bondage to decay. See, verse 22, it references the labor pains, the implied 
contrast is the ending of those labor pains. The benefit to those ending, the benefit to those labor pains ending certainly includes the ceasing of the cries of agony associated with the birthing process, but it also includes something far greater. The first cries of new life. There is great reward when that baby that had been in the womb is now outside the womb. When that baby cries, when that baby opens her eyes, when that baby takes his or her first breath, the joy that is experienced by mom and dad, it is quite remarkable. It is a picture of new life. God's purpose in cursing us with frailty and feebleness, with sickness and syndrome, is not so we would ultimately look to things of the earth, but so we would cry out to him. So we would pray for him to heal, yes, but more so, so we would plead with him to heal our spiritual sickness. This was the purpose of Christ's first coming, that the labor pains of Mary, her futility, birth a remarkable life. The cries of physical suffering experienced by Christ resulted in the forgiveness of sins. You and I enter into this new life when we are baptized into the faith, when we die with Christ. We now testify disease and death have been defeated and we now experience new life. As the kids shouted this morning, go tell that on the mountain. The design of futility was to point to hope. Now, for those of you that have experienced that hope, here's verses 23 and 25. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. If you are in Christ, you have been freed to a future home of healing and wholeness. And you are waiting to be freed. The the first fruits, the presence of the Holy Spirit, it it tells us that we are not defined by what is seen. We are not defined by what is seen We are not defined by what we experience on this earth. There is something we are waiting for. We are waiting for Christ to return when the earthly bodies we inhabit will be redeemed to enter this future home of healing and wholeness. So as you and I wait for healing, what do we hope in? With the medical advances we have experienced in the material world, this is perhaps a more intriguing or challenging question today than when the Apostle Paul penned those words nearly 2,000 years ago. Is our hope in the information we can search and seek out related to medical conditions on Google? Is our hope in the medical providers, innovative treatments, advances in care? Or does our sickness point to our ultimate need for physical healing on this earth? Or is it given to us 
so that we should rely on him. Now, please understand, I'm not saying we do do not seek out practical medical care. Not doing so would be rejecting means of common grace God has provided to all of his creation. Wisdom would say we, we should pursue such measures. I'm also not saying that we should not pray and ask God for healing as we encounter sickness and physical suffering. But as we consider how physical sickness is rooted to and connected to our state of spiritual sickness as it's given to us to rely on him, is our ultimate hope earthly physical healing or is it something else? Pastor and John Piper was diagnosed with cancer several years ago and through that experience wrote down some thoughts and titled them, Don't Waste Your Cancer. The title implies there is a a way to receive cancer as a gift from God and there is a way to reject it. So here's one of the things he wrote. The design of God in our cancer is not to train us in the, the rationalistic human calculation of odds. The world gets comfort from their odds, not Christians. Some count their chariots, percentages of survival. And some count their horses, side effects of treatment. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. God's design is clear from 2 Corinthians 1.9. We felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The aim of God in our cancer, among a thousand other good things, is to knock props out from under our hearts so that we utterly rely on him. The purpose of cancer. The purpose of chronic conditions. The purpose of disease and disability is so our hearts would utterly rely on him. I'm one as I encounter the the realities of earthly physical suffering, particularly the realities others experience, I ultimately want something earthly. I need to repent. I oftentimes much more trust in healing physical pain and suffering that is seen rather than the healing of our spiritual sickness that is unseen. As we wait, we point to the true source of sickness and sin. Jesus coming for us. We point to Jesus coming to rescue us from that. And as we wait, we grow in what it means to rely on Christ. See, we may, we may think waiting is a passive process, but, but it is not. That baby in the womb It is taking steps each day to prepare for this new life. It grows, it matures, it exercises, it connects with mom. You and I, as we wait for Christ's return, it is not passive. We prepare for that day. We mature, we exercise our faith, we connect with Christ. May we be a people who live and long for that day. As we conclude this series on waiting, 
this picture of a baby in the womb, not yet born in so many ways, it is a picture of us. We have no idea when that day we are preparing for will happen, but it will happen. God in his grace has led us to long for something different. And we will experience that ultimately when Christ returns, when our adoption in Christ is experienced in full, when we are united with him completely, when we experience the redemption of our bodies, that will be true living, renewed living. That is what we are waiting for, the future home of healing and wholeness. Let's pray.